You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, the 11th of January. I was prepared. I just had to look for it on my screen. <laughs> and of course, as you heard the little snicker there, Vince is with me. How's it going, buddy? I'm with you. You're with me. <laughs> welcome to my I, world. I present. <laughs> and accounted for. Hardly, but there. Yes. All right. Let's just dive right in then because I wanted to tackle a couple of different uh, titles right now, ongoing titles, as well as a graphic novel that was put out. So let's start with the Fantastic Four number 601, partially because I'm still ticked off that they're going back to the two the 600s, but... It was freaking awesome. Standard at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah, I I know, but it still it still pisses me off, and I and it hate I hate that the four pictures at the top, the little icons, don't have a Spidey one. Come on, See, you're just shooting them off the team already. Here's the thing: half of the fans are pissed off that they go, went back to number six hundred, and the other half are pissed off that they did would have been pissed off if they didn't. So it's it's a no win situation. Yeah, well, I don't care about all those other people. I care about me and Spidey. Spidey's not there. There should be a, at least an honorary little avatar circle on the bottom or somewhere else with Spidey, and a little and with Spidey too kind of thing around. <laughs> Because that's not right. Like he's dangling <laughs> off the edge of the logo. Yeah, really. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, anyway, so we do have um, issue 601 here to talk about. There is a crap load going on in this issue because there was a crap load going on in 600. And basically this is your continuation of the story. And this is where the rest of the team get to see, and Spidey confirm that this is Johnny, and Johnny is, in fact, still alive. So you get the emotional tears and everything from us. Oh, my God, he's alive. And everybody in the, in the old, you know, oh-so-cheesy Ben who's about to get pummeled into the ground. I loved like, that scene with Ben, though. All of a sudden, oh, no, he's alive. <laughs> the force is in him now. <laughs> it's clobbering time. Um, I, I do have to say, though, that the flaming four in the sky was kind of like, okay, that was cool. That was <laughs> corny <laughs> as all hell, but still cool. I'll give you that. I don't use this word very often because it's overused, but I'd have to say this issue was kind of epic. Just Johnny was awesome, um, kind of, you know, stepping up. Like, like I said, he's matured quite a bit in his two years that he spent in the negative zone. So seeing him just kind of stepping up and, you know, being the leader almost of what's going on here, uh, not deferring to Reed and Sue anymore. That's just really cool for the character. <laughs> and then when they're like, you know, when they're talking to the horse dude, like, oh, you know, can you do this? And they're like, don't talk to me. I'm not in charge. He is. <laughs> yeah. I will give you that. That is very, very true. And... Granted, we see very little. We see very little of the actual character of Johnny and what he's going to be in downtime, kind of thing. Did those two years really change him all that much, or is he still going to be the wise ass, you know, when the the, the crap's not hitting the fan? But yeah. in terms of under pressure, world is going to be annihilated. What are we going to do? I'm in charge. This is what we're doing. Yeah, it was freaking, it was epic. It, it, it was, it was phenomenal. It was great. I liked that the rest of the team, like, like Reed takes a back seat. He's in the back of the shots. Like the, mm -hmm. in the forefront is Johnny. 
and he's the one that's making the decisions and he's sending people out poor old spidey's just kind of standing around like he's got nothing to do it's like his freaking shoulders are slouched almost even <laughs> guys what do i do now <laughs> it's been a bad month for him he yeah. got like kicked off the avengers it, it hasn't been going too well for him lately well johnny even insulted his costume for crying out <laughs> that was not cool but, but but he got to hold an Iolus. well this is true this is true hold him by the chain uh <laughs> Very cool and ends on an epic scale where you really want to know what is going to be going on next issue with whether or not the world is going to be destroyed by the fallout of this. But no, it was... I'm going to go with no. Well, I'm thinking probably no as well. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) But no, it was a very, very good issue. Excuse me. Still not crazy about the art overall. I don't know what it is about this artist it's like i don't know it's i not dig it all i like the, it not all the characters it's just that especially reed and and i don't well johnny too i'm not as eh, not as crazy about it but uh but no phenomenal phenomenal issue for sure i i really also like what they're doing with the whole split of the two stories now how fantastic four is doing its thing and ff is doing its own thing they're telling two completely separate sides of the story I like that. It's, they're not forcing readers to really buy both. If, you, if you're if you interested in one of the stories, just buy that comic. Hey, if you want, buy both of them. Because uh, FF, despite some pretty atrocious art issues, those stories, have, uh, I'm really liking what they're doing over there, too. FF has been almost consistently good, in my opinion. There there have been a few times where I was like, eh. But overall, every issue I read, I've been, I've been digging it. I've been enjoying it. So, yeah, like when we were seeing the crossover from... 600 to what was it at the time was it 13 i believe uh 12 was the first issue after 600 i think right so i mean there was some interesting stuff stuff i wasn't i as i've said before i'm not always as crazy about all of this stuff with the kids when it's in there um but that's not all the time sometimes i enjoy it sometimes i don't it really depends on what that story is and what what they're doing but uh but no overall the stuff in there has been great especially the stuff whenever there is any spider-man interaction in there because of the new dynamic that he brings in, it's been great. So now it's going to be very interesting to see the new dynamic with bringing Johnny back. and But that'll be highly dependent on whether or not he actually has changed much over those two years. Mm-hmm. I, I'll read anything starring Doom. <laughs> All right. So let's move on from there now and touch on our ongoing favorite. And this has done nothing to change that for me. (laughs) And that is, as you all know, Uncanny X-Force 19.1. Now I'm just going to let you talk for a while here because I covered the other one. I, but I I will say I do it. I loved this. Um, allow me to preface it with this is an absolute failure as a point one issue. (laughs) If this is your jumping on point to Uncanny X-Force, I think you're going to have some trouble come issue 20. (laughs) No, you know what? I think that what it is is that it is a jumping on point for this new story arc. Yes. And so in in that regard, I don't think that it's really a jumping on point because I don't think that you can jump into issue 20 of Uncanny X-Force having not read this. I think it's pretty much mandatory reading, but I absolutely loved it. I'm just saying, if the entire concept of the point one issues is to be a jumping on point for that comic, okay, we've already established you're doing it wrong. that the point ones <laughs> as a whole are doing it wrong. So, yeah, this is true. frankly, I don't think it matters at this point. <laughs> that said, I wasn't expecting this. I I didn't know they were going to take this uh, divergence into the uh, Age of Apocalypse story. Um, 
I think it's next month or coming up real soon, they're launching a whole Age of Apocalypse comic uh, centering on what's going on in that universe. Uh, we saw a little bit of that in the uh, point one issue. Not oh god, this is confusing. Marvel put out a comic a little while ago titled Point, point One, one. <laughs> and one of the stories in there was uh, the Resistance in the Age of Apocalypse. So that was okay. I was kind of into it, but now reading this, I am ready for that comic. I really want to read what's going on as it starts up uh, basically right after Gene and everybody else gets home from the regular Marvel Universe after running around with uh, Wolverine and the guys. And things are really not going well. <laughs> the last of the humans are basically about to be exterminated by, uh, are we calling him Apocalypse or are we calling him Wolverine? What are we calling this guy? We call him Wolvie because he's cute. <laughs> Wolvie Apocalypse. <laughs> so you know you Wolf want Apocalypse <laughs> is closing in on them and they have a pretty crazy plan for how to stop him. Um, for those who haven't been reading Marvel comics for very long, uh, several years back, the Scarlet Witch went completely insane and turned off the powers of the vast majority of mutants on Earth. So they decided that's the great way to take out <laughs> Apocalypse and his mutant soldiers is just by making no more mutants anymore. And there was a really cool story element where they brought Jean in because uh, Wanda is just a husk. She has no uh, no but personality, no memories. Yeah. So Jean has to go into her brain and activate the power for her. So Jean, as a mutant, has to go in and take away all mutants' powers. It was a pretty strong scene, uh, them talking her into it. And then just, yeah, of course, it doesn't go well. That that was like the biggest punch in the gut I've seen in a long time in comics. The whole thing, even like the lead up to it as well, was was nuts. It was just absolute mayhem. Oh, giant sentinels and battles. Yeah. But not just that, but the actual... It's not just like in regular canon where, you know, Magneto gets, you know, bitch slapped by Wolverine for a bit or vice versa. And then, oh, they all go away happy, you know, kind of thing. No, he gets claws through the throat. There's a <laughs> lot of just point blank finality to a lot of the characters in mm -hmm. this one scene. Rogue bites it. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And so... It's not just like it's a little scene where there's a big fight, but at the end, you know, well, you know, it's a freaking comic book story. There's not going to be much consequences. Oh, my God. He just took off her, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's just they're, they're, the, the, the fight scene is that harsh. And so it leads up to this, this the, the end of the issue, which I don't want to spoil either for folks, but having seen the what is done beforehand and how harsh it is and how you know these people are dying it's it's not our our universe we don't really care so they're writing it like let's just have fun with this and so i'm kind of inclined to believe that that last frame there's some bad things happened in there yeah. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of people that are no longer around so no it was just fantastic and i've never hidden my fact either that that i like the um stories that play with the established canon in those parallel universes and all that. As long as it's well done and, and things like that, I really dig that because it allows you to play with those characters and to have that finality to characters if you if you choose to do so. And so having now gotten used to these alternate parallel 
characters from the rest of the storyline. Now you're reading this and it's like, you're really kind of, hell, you're, you're cheering for all of them. Even freaking, what's his face? Sabertooth. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's just, I, I absolutely adored this issue. Mm -hmm. And the Black Legion was back. That was great. <laughs> Seeing that yeah, those characters, uh, the the weird, you know, yeah. Hulk and whatnot uh, characters from X-Force, they came back and they're going to be recurring characters going on here. That's great. And yeah, it's just they they worked really hard to really separate to the Age of Apocalypse from the regular universe because before it was just, OK, everything but backwards. And now they're starting to actually change the characters and change the total dynamic of the universe. And that's going to be real exciting. Well, the thing too, is that like they've, they've still got a lot to play with here, despite the fact that, yeah, they've kind of killed off some pretty important people here. There's still a lot of other ones. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot that they can do within this, um, this kind of storyline and that universe. And so we could really be seeing some very imaginative, very, very fun stories in that age of, of uh, apocalypse storyline that's going to be coming out. Like I'm, I'm super psyched about the, the project as a whole, but every time I'm seeing something in Uncanny X-Force for it, it's just made of win. Yeah, I really can't wait at this point. Okay, let's move on to another. Now, before we, we do this here... Like a lot of people, I started being a huge fan of Nathan Fillion when he was in Firefly. Are we going to do this again? You made me cry on Monday. Hold on. No, I'm not talking about the freaking game. (laughs) I know, but But, we had to bring it up. (laughs) I I did. Just as a foreword here. Shut up. I had a whole momentum going there, and you just threw me off track. Anyway, so big, big fan of his. And so when Castle started up, a few years back, my the entire family and I really got hooked into this show. And for the most part, it was, of course, because of Nathan. But then as the the series progressed, it was just point blank because it was such a fantastic series as well. I don't do you actually watch Castle? Not regularly, okay. but that again, I don't watch anything regularly. Okay. So well, I watch it about as much as I can watch anything these days. See, it is for us a series that we actually make a point of watching it regularly. In fact, we PVR'd it this week and we just watched it yesterday. Um, it's a series that we loved. And what I like too is that with every episode almost, there's more depth added to all the characters and it winds up being something that's very, very cool and, and a lot of a lot of great characters and things like that. Now, anyways. In the show, Richard Castle is a writer in New York, and he tags along with a detective, New York detective, to get some insight into what it's like being a detective for his books, his novels. And then over time, it just becomes, he becomes the sidekick, essentially. Now, his actual books in the store, in the in, in terms of the TV series, some of them have actually come out. I actually bought a couple of them for my wife, and she's read, I, I still haven't read them. But you can buy the... Richard Castle novels kind of thing. Well, one of the novels prior to, in the context of the series, prior to before he started working with this detective, he used to write Derek Storm novels, kind of like the, uh, what's the ones by Clive Cussler? I can't remember his name. I, I got You know what I mean though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a regular character. Well, Derek Storm is the regular character in his stories here. And so what they did is in the context of, again, of the TV series, they took one of the Derek Storm's not Derek Storm novels. um, I'm thinking the first one and turned it into a graphic novel. So it's 
it's odd because you're not re- you're reading something that is like as if this were real because there's an actual foreword <laughs> by, by Richard foreword Cat- by an imaginary character <laughs> exactly so it's very much it's kind of sinking you like forcing you to sink yourself into that castle IP that world like you're in there and they even reference this they talk about it in one of the episodes where he's in mm-hmm. a comic shop with the female detective and they're talking about this this thing and it's a uh, deadly storm is the name of it and so this is actually a fairly long graphic novel we're looking at 104 pages here and it is it's not the story of again castle it's not the story of any of those things it's the story of this pi who works eventually starts working with the cia and it's a representation of one of his novels now the thing is is that again i'm a big fan of the characters in Castle mm-hmm. and the writing in Castle. And a large part of that does also have to do with how strong the characters are. And Nathan, just you can see a lot of him come out in the character in the same way that you did with Captain Mal and Firefly. And so he it makes the characters much more relatable, fun, and, and good. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of that in this and I found that though it wasn't bad, it really, it wasn't a page turner, put it that way. And at 104 pages, I struggled through it at points thinking, oh my God, you know what? If I, if it wasn't for the fact that we were going to be talking on it about it this episode, I probably would have stopped reading at one point. I just didn't find it nearly engaging enough. And it's not for lack of there not being a crap load of stuff going on in the story because there is, but I wasn't as crazy about the writing overall and the characters weren't engaging enough for me to feel like, I need to keep turning the page as opposed to say the series that I'm going to talk about in the, what we've been reading this one here. I just felt that it was strained at times and it just was not for, for me nearly as enjoyable. Yeah. The overall story didn't really do anything for me. Like it was, it was just a little wonky as a spy or PI uh, actual story. It, it didn't quite, add up for me didn't make that much sense you know you couldn't like follow the trail you just kind of had to go along with the character um the characters themselves a little flat again nothing no connection there but the the dialogue and the the actual events you know the stuff that they were going through was entertaining like i i liked you know all the scenes and all all the crazy crap uh storm got himself into just i didn't care about storm himself that much I like the stuff between Storm and his father. <laughs> that was fantastic. I thought yeah. that was great stuff. Um, I like some of the little things that occurred in the story, like when you're looking at when they, they get into the, the house and he knows the layout of the house based on his father's mm-hmm. obsession with building the miniatures of them. So there were little things here and there that I like. But overall, A, the premise was way too out there for me to get behind and to, you know, I, it's like I, I have an easier time dealing with with superheroes and tights and their justifications than some of this. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, the CIA is going to go and find a PI just so that they can get some help mm-hmm. doing something. It's like, no. And then, again, at times, there were just, they were asking too much of you to believe in the story and in the characters. And, again, I found that at times it was just very, very weak and not strong. Ironically, though, reading this even though it's all make-believe and fake at times i'm reading this thinking this would make a good novel 
in terms of an actual novel, I know it's a fake mm-hmm. pretend one, but in terms of a novel, this has the potential to actually be something that would be interesting. But it fails as a graphic novel. And yeah, it's all the, the pacing and, and things like exactly. that. Exactly. Given the, the time and the pages to flesh it out. Yeah, absolutely. I, it could make a little more sense and you know be more engaging. Yeah. So as a whole, I know that I, I don't know about you, but it's actually not something that I would recommend to anyone, especially considering the enhanced cost, because it's a graphic novel and quite a bit longer. I personally, I really wouldn't recommend this to folks to read. Yeah, not, 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 can't say I do. Okay, so let's move on to what we've been reading. We'll start with you. What have you been up to? Uh, okay, uh, over the last couple months, uh, the last latest two issues of X-Men Legacy, 259 and 260, uh, they were actually Mike Carey's last issues on the title. And between this and the previous story arc, Out in Space, it was basically just him tying up various loose ends um, before he leaves, before he hands it off. And these two issues, the main storyline of these two issues, involved a character so D-list, I had to wiki it. <laughs> okay <laughs> that said okay it made sense but everything surrounding the the storyline going on because this was you know still tying into the whole regenesis thing uh because the rogue and these other characters happened to be in space <laughs> when the, the schism was going on where else would they have been uh, yeah seriously so you get it's it's a lot about rogue and having a hard time you know deciding where she wants to go which we've seen in all the other comics but this one works just because Carrie has a handle on the character and it was very entertaining for me because prior to Carrie and X-Men Legacy, I I've hated Rogue, not, not hated Rogue, but so many other people love her so much and there was nothing there as a character for me that it just no. But with the, the work Carrie's done with her over the last couple of years, I've really come to enjoy Rogue as a character. So seeing you know, this arc for her and, you know, her her thoughts and her emotions because she still wants to be with the kids, but she doesn't want to leave Magneto. And she's more conflicted than pretty much anybody else that's gone through the schism. I just really enjoyed it. And I, I'm interested to see where uh, Christos Gage is going to take it now because uh, Mike Carey's been writing this comic for, I think, almost seven years. And it's been pretty consistently one of the better X-Men comics out there every month. I actually haven't read that last one, but I read the one before that, which was where it started with her um, mm-hmm. trying to decide what it is that she was going to be doing. And like I was saying then, too, is it's it was interesting, though we kind of had already seen and been inundated with that just before then. So it was like one of those... Just yeah, get like, it over with. At the time I read the first one, I kind of had that same feeling. But now a month later that it's it, it, exactly. the, the effects have kind of worn off, I can get a little more into it. Yeah, and I, I can believe that very much, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, Secret Avengers, uh, specifically issue 20, uh, for the last several issues, uh, Warren Ellis has been writing it, and he's been doing one-off stories. So you can pick up a single issue written by Warren Ellis and get a whole story, which you can't get anywhere anymore. And it's hilarious. Uh, last week... Uh, Ed Brubaker, who was the previous writer for Secret Avengers, and Rick Remender, who we all know is the upcoming writer for Secret Avengers, were talking on Twitter about how much they hate Warren Ellis because <laughs> he he doesn't even work in comics anymore. As they said, he just shows up every couple years to make the rest of them look bad. <laughs> and it, you don't need to read any of the previous issues. Check out issue 20. It was fantastic. I, I just... 
on a different level <laughs> than just about anything else you'll read out there in a major superhero comic. Awesome. Anything else? Uh, that's about it for this week. Okay. The only one that I'm going to cover, and it is largely because of the this castle, but also because I did actually want to talk about this beforehand, is I've read issues one and two of Uncharted. So... This takes place now, for those who aren't aware, Uncharted is a game that you can play on the PS3 exclusive, and it is the story of Nathan Drake, and he's basically a younger, hipper version of Indiana Jones is what he is kind of thing. And it's a fantastic series that is now on its third game, and the characters are very, very strong, and it's something that Though he's not exactly an everyman because he can do crap that most people can't get away with. Yeah, I can't climb mountains. He's much more relatable than, say, Indiana Jones or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's much more fallible. And the supporting characters are very, very st- strong in that series as well. So what they did is they they got this published by DC. And it's a, I believe it's going to be a six-parter. Five or six. I think it's six. And it actually takes place... Uh, before the second game. It might take place before the first one even, but I'm not quite positive. At minimum, it takes place before the second one because you're introduced to some of the characters that are in the second one, which at the time when you, um, you're playing the game, there's a lot of backstory there that's made apparent that you don't know about. You are just led to believe, that, yeah, these characters have known each other for a while, They've had, you know, whatever adventures together, just roll with it. And and it works in the game. Well, now you're getting to see some of that and how they meet. Uh, case in point, you get to see how and when Nathan does meet Chloe, who's a major character in the second game. So that would be interesting in and of itself right there, because I really love the IP. I love the characters. So I was really hoping this would be good. And it is. It's a fantastic story that is a ton of fun. Basically, what they've done is they took the strong points of the game, which are the characters and the stories, and they just slapped it on paper. So you have this fantastic story of this this intrigue, that same as the games, of needing to find this lost treasure. In this case, they are going after a, a place called the the well the, the the myth of the hollow earth where they can go in and there's an entire other civilization there and there's a map to how to get to that location and there's riches therein supposedly and then you have the needing to steal some artifacts and this and that typical Nathan Drake stuff there's no morality when it comes to stealing with him but it was a great Great story. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I'm looking forward to the rest of this little miniseries. The The characters are staying true like him and Sully. They're staying true to who they are in the comic, in the, the game. And in the game, they're strong enough characters that they don't need to be changed. They're staying true to that. The The story itself has a great pace, again, much like the game. You're, you're not left kind of standing around waiting for things to happen very often. It's boom, action from beginning to end. And the art is very good. It's not phenomenal, but it is very good. I enjoyed this a lot. I'm going to have to check it out because, like you, I really enjoy the Uncharted IP 
unlike you, I'm not as big of a fan of the actual games. Yeah. So I, I'd be really interested in seeing that story, you know, outside of that framework. Uh, I, I would really like to see that, actually. They're they're very good. Again, I'm a little disappointed in the art, not because it was bad, but because I would have liked to have seen it even better, put it that way. It's it's good. It, it does a fantastic job, although I think the colors are off, to be honest. Um, the coloring could have been a little bit better. But I really would have liked to have seen this given... Uh, given to a different artist and really, really made it shine. But still, it's a fantastic series so far. Like I said, I read the first two and I'm really digging seeing the characters again. Now, that's something that if you haven't played the game, you won't necessarily think as much of those moments like when Chloe shows up and things like that. But it's not like you have to know those characters. It's written in such a way that, nope, you don't have to. It's it's You can roll with it and really enjoy it. So yeah, Make sure to check it out if you are looking for a non-superhero spandex kind of comic to read for a little bit. I'm really digging it, really loving it. Okay, so with... What? Is it cool? Okay. So with that, let's move on to the new releases for the week. We've got a whole crap load of friggin' Avengers stuff. So Avengers 1959, issue 5, Avengers Solo number 3, New Avengers number 20, and Secret Avengers number 21. And of course, Captain America number 7. Then we got old Doc and Wolverine number 19. We got Ghost Rider Cycle of Vengeance number 1. Did you actually look into that one? Do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, I actually looked it up right before we recorded because I had no idea. It's a reprint of the first appearance of Johnny Storm. Uh, the first appearance of Danny Ketch, uh, who took over as Ghost Rider after him, and then uh, the story a few years ago when Johnny Storm became Ghost Rider again. So it's the cycle of the Ghost oh, Riders. Okay. okay, gotcha. All right, and then we got Incredible Hulk number four, Journey into to Mystery six thirty three, Amazing Spider Man six seventy seven, Scarlet Spider number one, Spider Man Spider Island hardcover. This is what you've been waiting, folks, for. Mm-hmm. If you have not been picking those all up. I can't recommend it enough. It was a fantastic little mini-series, not mini-series, but story arc. Tons of fun, amazing kick-ass artwork. Pick it up. It's it's You can probably find it on the cheap somewhere. Check on Amazon. Ultimate Comics X-Men number 6, Wolverine 300, Wolverine and the X-Men number 4, X-Factor 230, and X-Men Legacy 260.1.1. Come on. Uh- I think they're at least doing the point one properly there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On the DC side, we got number five. So we got Batgirl number five, Batman and Robin number five, Batwoman number five. And then we got Blackhawks number four, Deathstroke number five, Demon Knights number five, and just number fives for the rest. Uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Shade, Green Lantern, Grifter, Resurrection Man, Scalped 55, Suicide Squad 5, and Superboy number five. So Blackhawks fell behind schedule? I Apparently. I hadn't been keeping up with that one. So. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I've read the first two or three. I enjoyed issue check. one, but that was about it. Yeah. No, I enjoyed the first couple, actually. So, no, I'll have to check why this one is back. Or maybe it's a typo. I don't know. I'll check. And then, otherwise, we got uh, Dark Banner number one of four, which actually looks fairly cool. It has a kind of a Mass Effect-ish kind of feel where it's... Um, Basically, somebody wakes up and their memories are stripped and they're in space kind of thing, and it's them and their crew. It looks like it might be a lot of fun. I I actually am going to be checking this one out. As soon as they said, from the writers of Stargate SG-1, I was on board. (laughs) All right. And then we've got a couple of Star Wars, because we've been having fun with the game. So we got Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, number two of five. We got Knights of the Old Republic of War, number one of five. That might be interesting to check out. And then just for you, 
The Key. Transformers. More than meets the eye, number one. Yeah, they're uh, relaunching the line starting this week. Yeah. So that about wraps it up for this week. Thanks to everybody who tuned in, and we will talk to you guys next week. Of course, if you have any questions or submissions or anything, you can send them either to Roger at or Vince at Common Book Informer. And we are on Twitter at cbinformer.com. cbinformer.com. Let's try that again. We are on Twitter at cbinformer. You can, of course, find us on iTunes as well. Leave us a review if you enjoy the show. We'll talk to you guys next week. That's it. Not too shabby. Not too shabby, considering we're both out of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad at all. I'm going to eat my grapes. <laughs> Did you uh, catch that article I tweeted out last night? You're assuming I read your tweets. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't go back and read. <laughs> to, to go along with the More Than Meets the Eye comic, uh, IDW is actually putting out a couple other Transformers things right now. Uh, one of which is a... a oh digital comic that they're putting out i don't know when it starts precisely uh it's like small little like eight page comics but it's co-written by the guy who wrote transformers back in the 80s and metzen chris metzen chris metzen really yep what the hell that's yep. weird yep <laughs> well okay. he's 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 always been a big comics guy so that's pretty interesting still a little weird I'll read it. <laughs> what, he's tired of the, the millions he's made? <laughs> he's bored on his yacht? He needs something to do now? Oh, maybe he's, I'll write a Transformers comic book. He's tired, he's tired of trying to figure out new things to do with Thrall. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the new Transformers used to be a slave. <laughs> 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 he's got long hair tied back. Megatron just wants his horse back. 